So we're on lesson number seven in our summer quarter, 2022. The title of the lesson is Contrasting Perspectives. The uh, scriptures are Proverbs 14 and 15. And Lord, we thank you for your wisdom. And we thank you for how much of it there is here in Proverbs. And it's so much it's hard to remember it all. <clears throat> but there are principles which are repeated over and over again. Yeah, which we are going to learn about today. So we pray that you would give us uh, hearts that are willing to listen and uh, uh, will so that we can obey what you tell us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so yeah, the title, Contrasting Perspectives. And we start off with section A, The Deception of Fools. Fools. Yes, and that's verses 1 through 9 of chapter 14. Do I have a reader for, for the, those verses? All right, thank you, ma'am. So the first verse, the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. Now there's kind of a opposite in the first verse of chapter 9, and the first verse of chapter 9 is about wisdom itself. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. She has prepared her food. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. So she's building her house. The foolish woman is tearing it down. So what is a common way that a foolish woman would tear her house down. Right. So there, there is kind of a hierarchy in the family, and it is not male patriarchy, which is the common theme today, but it is uh, designed that way by God. God designed it that way, right? And so, so yeah, I wrote down. Ephesians five twenty two through 24. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Now go out in the street and say that. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. You'll get beat. You don't understand what it means. And, you know, it takes a little humility to do this. You know, I I mean, starting at verse 22, I just read verse 24. It says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. So I've heard this explained that it, um, as far as ontology, which is value, this word means value, men, men and women, husbands or wives are, the same. You know, Genesis, the end of Genesis 1, I think it's verses 27 and 28, it says, you know, I made man in my own image, male and female, I made them, and uh, and things like that. And they are together, both of them, to rule. They're co-rulers over the earth. Um they complement each other, and there, but there is a hierarchy that God put in place. 
Um, so verses Ephesians 5, 22 through 24 needs to be balanced by verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. So men and women are created to rule together. To me, the husband is assigned as the head of the family. That's the way the Lord wants it. And um, and things work best if that is remembered. I am, the relationship can be abused. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about Going both life. ways. If, yeah. if they are spiritual versus When you are you know, both committed to following the Lord, it's a beautiful thing. And it's like heaven on earth, you know, when it's working the way it should. It's absolutely wonderful. So anyway, the foolish one tears it down because she's foolish. <laughs> and that means she does not read her Bible, you know, and she listens to uh, feminism. Verse 2. He who walks in his uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways despises him. So respect for the Lord manifests itself in uprightness. When you respect for the Lord, you care about if you're doing right or wrong, because you know he cares about it. And I, I would say many times the devious, they would not say that they despise the Lord. They just don't care about the Lord one way or the other, which I guess is despising the Lord. You know, they, they don't even think of him at all. So verse 3, In the mouth of the foolish is a rod for his back, but the lips of the wise will protect them. Yeah, if you, if you don't know the Lord, um, you have the short view. You don't have the long view. Sometimes when you're a Christian, you don't have the long view if you don't study the Bible. But um, So the long view shows you how important it is to respect the Lord and to listen to him. So verse 3, this is the smart aleck, or the smart mouth. The mouth of the foolish is a rod for his back. He makes people angry because he's a smart aleck. Don't smart alecks make you angry? They make me angry. <laughs> yes. So. Verse 4, where no oxen are, the manger is clean, but much revenue comes by the strength of the ox. That's an interesting one, isn't it? So this is from the quarterly. Productivity requires proper tools. You know, Solomon used the example of an ox for the farmer. Of course, an ox is an animal who poops. That's what so, you know, the ox can really increase your productivity when you're, you know, farming that way. But you have to take care of it. You have to take care of the ox. Yeah. And so, you know, I think of in like in our day, like our pastor here, our dear beloved pastor here, you know, he's spending a lot of time training in languages and theology and things like that. And that, I think that would fall in this category for him, that that takes a lot of investment, a lot of time and money. Um, but it's makes you productive. Yeah, it makes you productive. And, you know, like 
we were involved in medical issues. That's a lot of training. They but again, so anyway, and I th this makes me think about I don't my my pets are not productive at all. Pets. Have cats. Yeah, but they they supply a, a benefit to the family, and they poop. <laughs> Blood pressure. You yes. actually live on families too. That's for you. Yeah, and our our little cat is so funny. You walk by her and she twists her head over and exposes her neck to you, <laughs> and she'll start to purr. Yeah, and it's just you can't resist it. So anyway, so then verse seven: Leave the presence of a fool, or you will not discern the words of knowledge. So what is it talking about there? Sort of right. So this is that. Yeah. This is this um, concept that runs through scripture is that there is a principle of separation. Mm -hmm. You come out from the world, you know. So so we have we have a mission to evangelize the world, but we don't have a mission to immerse in the world. We're to separate from the world and evangelize them. So we mix with them for the purpose of evangelizing. But, you know, like this, if you are in the presence of a fool and you're always with them and they're your buddy and things like that, then they're going to rub off on you. Yeah. You know what I'm talking you know, I know exactly what that, you're talking all about. That stuff is evil to Yeah. No, it's not evil just to you. It is objectively evil. Yes, thank It you. is not evil just to well, you. I'm quoting it. I'm quoting WW here. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I don't mean Now, this, is, this relates to what you said. Um, remember, in the Lord's people, every now and then need some discipline. Right? And uh, so the Babylonians came and disciplined. Judah, because they were they were doing stuff like is going on here now, and this is what the Lord. This is from Ezekiel chapter nine and verse four. It says, "The Lord said to him, and he's talking now to an angel. The Lord is talking to an angel. Go through the midst of the city, even through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan." over all the abominations which are committed in its midst. That's what you're doing. Exactly, right? So he says, put a mark on the foreheads of those people. But to the others, he said, in my hearing, go through the city after him and strike. Do not let your eye have pity and do not spare. Utterly slay old men, young men, maidens, little children, and women. But do not touch any man on whom is the mark. Yeah, so he first he says, okay, it was like the God's strike team he sent to Jerusalem. He says to the leader of the strike team, go through and mark the people who are, this is disgusting, on their forehead. Kill everybody else. So that's a good response that you're having is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. See, for us, what'll happen is when the Lord gets to that point where He says, "Go and wipe them out," He'll He'll 
transport us up. He'll trans transport us up before his wrath comes. Um, so, and that is what we're waiting for with bated breath. But in the meantime, all we can do is pray and stick close to him. Yes, and pray that more come with us, right? But that's the. Um, I saw something online by Jordan Peterson. Have you heard of Jordan Peterson? Yeah, he's a psychologist from Canada, and he's uh, conservative, and he says rational things. He is not a believer. And he had a, a little blurb on. Um, he's working for the Daily Wire now, Ben Shapiro's company. He had a little blurb on there addressing the church, and he was talking to about how to basically he was talking about the wokeness of the church, and uh you know he's right, the church has forgot its mission. the church as a whole has forgot its mission its mission is to glorify God, it's to evangelize the lost, and it's to edify the saints through instruction in the scriptures. that's it. That's it. It is not to go along with Marxism, because much of the church, much of the Protestant church in America, are basically communist. Yeah, they're communist. They are not sticking to doctrine. So you know, but we have to open, keep opening our mouths and tell people how to be saved out of this. Where was I? Oh, yeah. Fools mock at sin, but among the upright there is goodwill. So this is Romans chapter 1 and verse 32. And this is where we are. This is where our culture is in America, in Tacoma. This is where our culture is. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. That's what we're seeing. For us, we do sin, and we have 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all righteousness. So um, we do not go along with this. And, you know, just another plug you know, Roe versus Wade has been overturned. Washington State had abortion on demand before Roe versus Wade was ever enacted. So I would encourage everyone to write to their state representatives and just say, you know, we would appreciate if you would enact some restrictions on abortion here in Washington State. You know, and be a voice for those who have no voice. Um, because it's political now. It has gone back to, you know, before, in 1973, the Supreme Court, a bunch of unelected judges, took that away from the people. But now it's back in the hands of the people, and we can influence our elected representatives here in Washington State. And I would do that. I, I did that yesterday. I wrote to all my three representatives and said, um, please do this. Yeah, I know. And, you know, we're a, we're a liberal state. How debased is that in the heart? But the Lord has put us in this state. And he's, but he's still redeeming us. Think how things have changed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, Manasseh sacrificed his own son. 
and he and he repented. So anyway, you can be forgiven from that. And whoever's hearing this online, if you have had an abortion, or if you have paid for an abortion, or if you have encouraged an abortion, the grace of God is available to you. You know, I think it's incumbent on us as believers to, you know, because we live in a constitutional republic, for now, <laughs> and so we still, and so we have a voice. So we have a voice, and we have representatives that represent us, and we should let them know what we think about these important issues. So section B is called the fate of fools, and that's verses ten through eighteen. Somebody want to read that one for us? Okay, ten through. 18. Okay, thank you. So, verse 10, it's hard for another person to truly understand what's going on in you. Right? That's what it's saying. The heart knows its own bitterness, and a stranger does not share its joy. Yeah, I've been told I was quirky by someone, and uh, I'm thinking, you know, and I... So, because I've, many times I will express what's going on inside of me, <laughs> and that leads to quirkiness. <laughs> but um, this was a fellow surgeon who told me this. Well, yeah, quirky, yeah. You can't that. So, but yeah, it's, um, God knows what, exactly what's going on inside, but other people um, don't, really. So verse 11, the house of the wicked will be destroyed. So this is telling, you know, why you don't want to be foolish. But the tent of the upright will flourish. So there is a, a difference. The wise tend to have tranquility in the home and the foolish strife. So, verse 12, there is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That's a little scary, isn't it? Now, it's interesting, if you look at Proverbs 16, verse 25, it says exactly the same thing. It is exactly the same verse. Yeah. There's a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Now, what do you think he's talking about there? Yeah, I mean, the Lord himself says that your ways are not my ways, and your thoughts are not my thoughts. So when you come up with your own good plan, that's not the Lord's way. And many times, when we look at the Bible and, and some of the things it tells us to do, it's like, really? <laughs> You know, I don't know if I want to do that. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, that's how, that's what discipleship trains us to, you know, and the quarterly talked about taking uh, shortcuts, which are sin, you know, like uh, stealing to get ahead or um, lying to cover your tracks or things like that, you know, can sound good to you, like it's a good plan. Um, but in the end, there's a price to pay. And if you don't know the Savior, that the price to pay is eternal. So verse 15, 
The naive believes everything, but the sensible man considers his steps. What do you think that's that one's talking about? The research. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the naive that usually that you know speaks of immaturity, youth. You know, um, kids are they'll. That's why Santa Claus is such a big deal, right? Because kids believe their parents, even though their parents lied to them about Santa Claus, and the kids are naive. That's why they're indoctrinating them. Too. Yeah, it's is bad. That's a sin. Yeah. So the naive believes everything, but the sensible man considers his steps. So you become sensible after you believe in the Lord and you begin to read his word. And then you begin to see how some of these things are not right. You know. So, yeah, I read a statistic this morning that only 25% of Americans trust the public schools. Yeah, I mean, the public schools are making themselves obsolete. They need to just go away. I think James Dobson said the same thing a long time ago. Yeah, to just take them out. Well, he said he didn't have his Oh, yeah. Well, I think now's past time. Because they're teaching things that are just blatantly... Ridiculous, <laughs> you know. If you go to fight your school board, you're... so anyway, it, when we study the Bible, we become sensible, and we lose our naivete, you know. Especially as you practice what you're learning. So then, verse sixteen: A wise man is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is arrogant and careless. So it is wise to turn away from evil. And then, verse eighteen. The naive, again, inherit foolishness. And isn't that true of all of us? You know, we're born into this world. We don't know what, anything. And we're born with a sin nature. And so we inherit foolishness, but the sensible are crowned with knowledge. So we thank the Lord for his word and the fact that sometime in the past, someone told us about Jesus and we believed it. Yeah. Okay, section C, the rewards of kindness. I'll read that one. That's verses 19 through 27. The evil will bow down before the good and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. The poor is hated even by his neighbor, but those who love the rich are many. He who despises his neighbor sins, but happy is he who is gracious to the poor. Will they not go astray who devise evil? But kindness and truth will be to those who devise good. In all labor there is profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. The crown of the wise is their riches, but the folly of fools is foolishness. A truthful witness saves lives, but he who utters lies is treacherous. In the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence, and his children will have refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may avoid the snares of death. In a multitude of people is a king's glory, but in the dearth of people is a prince's ruin. Okay, back to verse 19. The evil will bow down before the good and the wicked's at the gates of the righteous. Eventually, this will always be true. 
eventually. And the quarterly is the example of Joseph. You know, Joseph had a dream that his family would bow down to him. Yeah, and, you know, he wasn't very humble when he said it. So very he, young and naive in his Yeah, he set himself up for that. But it was it did happen. Yeah, they did go overboard. Yeah, they did. They did. But, um, so this is also, now Jesus wasn't received very um, well when he came. But Philippians 2, 10, and 11, because he went through that, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So eventually, that will happen. Everywhere, the evil will bow down before the good. So you want to be on the side of the good. Verse 20, the poor is hated even by his neighbor, but those who love the rich are many. Now, this is another one that I think is just Solomon telling how things are, are in the world. So, is this right? No, this is not right. And the Lord talks against that all the time, but that's how things are. So, verse 21, he who despises his neighbor's sins but happy is he who is gracious to the poor. So this is an antidote. Verse 21 is an antidote to verse 20, right? The poor is hated even by his neighbor. He who despises his neighbor sins. So the person who's hating the poor as his neighbor is sinning, right? But happy is he who is gracious to the poor. So, you know, Solomon frequently in the Proverbs equates uh, poverty with laziness and says, do not be lazy, be diligent. Um, but that's not the only reason for poverty. And um, so you're to be gracious to the poor. The Lord de desires that and commands it. Well, that's part of the problem in Russia right now. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. That makes me think of, you know, in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 38 and 39, it talks about the weapons, and it describes the weapons, and that they're they're not modern weapons, they're ancient weapons there. But the way we're going with a Green New Deal, we're going back to the Stone Age. We will go back to the Stone Age if they persist with this. So I mean there's kind of, Ghana has fallen in riots and things, Sri Lanka because they adopt green energy. Green energy leads to poverty. And uh, in Sri Lanka, their their government has fallen, and their leaders have fled, and they're in riots because they wanted to demonize oil, you know, coal, fossil fuels, and use green energy, and it's not enough. And even the state of Texas is doing this. Texas is, gay, you know, there's a, I, I saw a thing that the te Tesla is putting ads in its cars in Texas not to charge during certain hours because the grid can't handle it because they've gone so much to this wind energy in Texas, which has all this oil everywhere, you know? Yeah, but, but our president is not as thrilled with those things. I know. And so I, I, I think probably that Ezekiel is, can be literally interpreted. But if they're cutting down the trees 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm just wondering how long the Lord will leave his church here. I hope it's not too long. <laughs> That's right. So verse 22, will they not go astray who devise evil, but kindness and truth will be to those who devise good. So kindness and truth will be the pursuit of God's will under the power of the Holy Spirit leads to many benefits. And this is Ephesians 3.16, that he would grant you, this is the Father, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man. That's a verse that the missionary Jim Myers used. He says, what is the Holy Spirit doing in the believer? He's filling you with power. He fills you with power to do what the Lord asks. Isn't that amazing? I love that. He enables you. It is his power that allows you to obey the Lord. So that, and uh, there are many benefits that come along with that. Then verse 23, in all labor there is profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. So that is, again, the divine institution of labor. Be working at something guided by the Lord. Verse 25, a truthful witness saves lives, but he who utters lies is treacherous. Honesty is the best policy. There's a lot of repetition in Proverbs. Eventually, I just write little... Platitudes. So verse 27 and 26 and 27 both talk about the fear of the Lord. In the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence, and his children will have refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may avoid the snares of death. So the fear of the Lord affects your children too. And it avoids death. So that's great. Okay, section D, the glory of kings. Somebody want to read that about the glory of kings? Uh, Verse 29. Okay, thank you. And I realized I just, I didn't have you read the first verse. (laughs) I was looking for that. I'm sorry. Yes, sorry about that. Well, you read it for me. Did I? Yeah, you did earlier. Oh, okay. Okay, I ran overboard. I ran out of bounds. Oh, no. Okay. So, yeah, verse 28. In a multitude of people is a king's glory, but in the dearth of people is a prince's ruin. Now, how does this verse line up with this terrible concern about overpopulation? How long have we been hearing about overpopulation? I've been hearing about it all my life. All my life, yeah. I got a book from my uncle about that when I was uh, still in high school. It's a, it's again, it's a false. It's a false narrative. Yeah, it's a false narrative. So, in a multitude of people is the king's glory, but if you have no population, your kingdom isn't much. So verse 29, he who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. Does that make anybody think of anything? He slow to anger? This always reminds me of a verse. 
in the New Testament. From last quarter, it's James 1, 19. This you know, my beloved brethren, everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. You know, James was the first New Testament book, so he was probably looking to the Proverbs as he was writing his book. And um, there's a lot, I mean, James is the Proverbs of the New Testament, so I, I think he took a lot from Proverbs. So a tranquil heart is life to the body, but passion is rottenness to the bones. Now, the quarterly used this in relation to coveting which I thought was an interesting take on it. He's a tranquil, uh, tr someone with a tranquil heart, you know, and, and what they're talking about is someone who's content, content with what they have. Passion, so you're, you're flamed by desire, you know, for I must have what you have, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that causes rottenness in your bones. That causes rottenness in your bones. The, the Lord has told us over and over that he will give us what we need physically. He's told us that over and over. That he will give us not necessarily everything we want, but everything we need. And uh, so we don't have to worry about it, you know. Our heart can be tranquil. Tranquil. So verse 31, He who oppresses the poor taunts his maker, but he who is gracious to the needy honored him. So again, that goes against verse 20, the poor is hated even by his neighbor. Uh, this is from the quarterly also. Solomon frequently cites laziness as a cause of poverty, but not always so. Graciousness is necessary when dealing with any other person. Verse 32, the wicked is thrust down by his wrongdoing, but the righteous has a refuge when he dies. The wicked is thrust down by his wrongdoing, but the righteous has a refuge when he dies. This made me think of Luke 16. Verses 19 through 31, Jesus told a, a historical narrative of a rich man and a guy named Lazarus. And of the rich man, it is said, the rich man was an unbeliever. The rich man died in Hades. He lifted up his eyes being in torment and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. He cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. That's the unbeliever. The believer, after death, verse 22, again, the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And verse 25, Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he is being comforted here, and you are in agony. You know, 
I'm going to say something that I have not received from the Bible, but I've, it's crossed my mind. You know, many times the believer has a rough time in this life. And the unbeliever is in luxury, you know. I think that's God's mercy. I think that might be God's mercy to them. He knows that they, again, he's going to talk to them all their life and they will refuse. But he's giving them mercy. Yeah, he's giving them a good life now because he'll have an eternity in the lake of fire. Yeah, I wonder because there is a reversal. There's a reversal that happens at death. And, um, you know, it, I, it's not universal, clearly, but it, you see it frequently in the Bible, too, you know. Okay, and then ver verse 34, this is what's going on with our nation now. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people, and our nation right now is full of sin, full of sin. And so we're a disgrace. Yeah, and look, just look at what happened with our president's recent trip. It was an embarrassment. It was a disgrace. Why is that? Because we're full of sin. That's why. We are full of sin, and he is leading us into sin. He is leading us into sin. And so... And you know what? The Bible tells us that it will be this way. So it's, you know, it is not a surprise. We always hope and pray for a revival, and we have had revivals in this country. But right now, this is worldwide. And this is worldwide. These things that are happening, it is worldwide, and we know what Scripture says prophetically, and we know that every nation will turn on little tiny Israel, you know, and um, and we will be one. And we are doing it now. Our administration now, you know, we had a little, a little oasis with Trump where he was pro-Israel. Obama was anti-Israel. Bush was anti-Israel because Bush talked pro-Israel, but he didn't do what he said. Nobody would do it. Nobody would do it. And and Biden, yeah, Biden is Obama three. Biden is Obama three, and he's very, yeah, and he's very anti-Israel, very very anti-Israel, and the Bible tells us that this will happen, and so all we can do, and thankfully we have the mark like these guys in Jerusalem before the Babylonians came and slaughtered them all. And we're going to be taken out before this horrific, before this horrific judgment falls. We'll be taken out. And our nation has had a good run. I've, I've said this before. In 1892, there was a case before the Supreme Court. It was uh, some, I think it was New York State, had some immigration law, and they'd hired a pastor from Europe. They said they couldn't have him because he was he broke the immigration laws or something. And the case went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled nine to zero that they could not do that. 
and it gave 87 different precedents that the reason they could not do that was that the United States was a Christian nation. That was in 1892. So it was 9-0, to zero, Supreme Court ruling, unanimous. The Supreme Court is a Christian nation. And um, not anymore. Right, the king's favor is toward a servant who acts wisely, but his anger is toward him who acts shamefully. So let me just go over very, very quickly chapter 15. Very quickly. Verses 1, 2, 4, 7, 23, and 28 encourages godly and considered speech. Verses 3 and 11 tells you the Lord knows everything. <laughs> Those are verses about the Lord's omniscience. Verses 5, 6, 8, 9, 10. 12, 16, 17, 20, 24, 25, 26, 27, 29. Tells us the difference in result between wickedness and righteousness. Verses 19 and 32, the difference in result between laziness and diligence. And verse 33, humility is important. So there's a lot about the outcomes of wickedness, and righteousness. And you know how each one goes. So Lord, we thank you for your word and all this wonderful wisdom. We pray that in these times we live in, in uh, the end of Romans chapter, or verse 1 chapter, chap, oh my gosh, Romans chapter 1, we live in that type of society that we will let our light shine. And we pray that many would turn to you before your judgment falls. In Jesus' name, amen.